The Sports Gambling Podcast Network and the Inside Vegas Podcast are brought to you by MyBookie. MyBookie.ag is the official online sports book of the Sports Gambling Podcast Network, Inside Vegas, and the Sports Gambling Podcast. Props, parlays, in-game wagering, MyBookie.ag has it all. And if you sign up using the promo code SGP50, you'll receive a 50% deposit bonus today. Play, win, and get paid at mybookie.ag. Mybookie.ag is also now offering their own NFL Super Contest. Each week, you make five picks against the spread and a $100,000 prize minimum guaranteed to first place with no rake. The entry fee, $100. Go to mybookie.ag slash super contest to secure your spot now. And we're also brought to you by Amazon. Log on to sportsgamblingpodcast.com and click the Amazon banner. Bookmark that link and use it every time you shop to score sweet savings and support the podcast. We are back on the Inside Vegas podcast and we are talking everything post NBA draft and post NBA free agency in the futures market. What has changed? What has stayed the same? And when you look around this landscape, teams going from 15 to one after the season all the way out to 70 to one. And we have the exact opposite when it comes to the players and personnel that these teams are bringing in. We are going to be talking about the battle for LA, what that means from an odds perspective, if it's better to buy teams in season versus uh, during the season or before, if that number will shorten with Sports Gambling Podcast, NBA Insider, Zach Broner. Find him on Twitter at NBA Zach B. All of his work and content with the NBA. Some amazing stuff out there. SportsGamblingPodcast.com handles all of our basketball stuff. Uh, one of the brightest minds in the basketball industry, in my opinion. And that's why he is with us. So we're going to be breaking down all of that and more when it comes to the NBA post-title odds and futures market. NBA free agency is in full effect. We have SGP insider for the NBA, Zach Broner, joining us to break down really, I mean, when you talk about this fluid odds of the NBA championship, I mean, the East, the West, everything like that, it's it's been such a crazy line move um, on so many different sides when you talk about how much one to two players can really affect this. So it's, it's absolutely crazy, man. Um, I mean, it, Zach, welcome on to the podcast first and foremost, my man, but I know that you live and breathe the NBA. What is going on in this league right now, bro? What's going on, Peanut? Thanks for having me. And uh, yeah, it was definitely just a, the past couple weeks have been absolutely crazy. Um, I would say, you know, over five of the top 10 players in the league have switched teams. And, you know, like you said, these future markets have been bouncing all over the place. Um, they were they were pretty much open all throughout free agency. So we're going to go through, I know, and compare some of the pre and post free agency odds. But I mean, obviously it starts and ends in LA with um, Kawhi now going to the Clippers and um, we'll get into it a little bit, but you know, to start things off, I guess, you know, in LA, it's going to be a battle between these two teams, odds on favorites, Clippers plus 270, Lakers plus 350. Um, I honestly disagree with that. And um, for me, that the biggest thing out of this free agency, I think people are overreacting a little bit to uh, the Raptors finals and now Kawhi going to the Clippers. I do still think that um, this is the bronze league, but you know, that's jumping ahead of things, but it was a crazy, crazy, crazy amount of player movement. And I think the biggest thing for us and for anyone out there who follows the NBA is sort of sit back, take stock, reevaluate and um, sort of approach these futures from a fresh perspective, because 
you know, the Raptors of last year, completely different team now. Um, you know, Warriors, Clippers, Lakers, Sixers, going down the list. These are all completely different teams. So it really, you know, involves cleaning the slate mentally. Don't come into this with any preconceived notions. And um, yeah, there's value to be found on the board. Well, man, let's, let's, you know, let's take a step back before free agency and let's talk about the draft and how things were kind of impacted there. Obviously, um, New Orleans kind of you know, cleans house in one way, yet brings in Zion that way. There was a lot of, um, you know, kind of moving and shaking within the draft board. Any one team that you think kind of helped their stock the most or hurt their stock when it comes to just speaking about the draft before we even get into the free agency side of things? Yeah, I mean, obviously at the bottom of the league, you have some teams that I think didn't do enough to get better. Um, Phoenix for one was in a position to, you know, maybe if you add Jared Culver more of an NBA ready wing, they, they, they could have, you know, solidified their growth as a franchise. I did not like the Cam Johnson pick. So that's probably one of the worst teams in the league. But like you said, I, I, I like what New Orleans did and it, it's, it's a little bit obvious, obviously they got Zion, but I, I'm actually more excited about sort of what they did with getting the key Alexander Walker combo guard perfect for the modern nba can hit their play in their rotation jackson hayes rim protecting five perfect for the modern nba um and so that's a team that i do think could be sort of sneaking in towards the back end of the playoffs um another pick i think will matter this year was nasir little to portland um back half of the first round but really nba ready wing they traded mo harkless who's now on the clippers um He'll be able to step in and I think give a little more more pop to that Portland lineup. Um, but yeah, I mean, I would say at the top of the draft, these are teams that you know were bad, and and, and given how how many players move to quote unquote great teams, I think you're seeing sort of a now that the Warriors are gone, um, it's a sort of solidification of each of the teams at the top. I, I will say Michael Porter Jr. in Denver, obviously not not a draft pick, but he's a guy who could factor into this year's playoff on great scoring wing for Denver. Yeah, for sure. I like that kid a lot. I mean, let's, there's a great tweet out there uh, by uh, Will Kane on Twitter, at Will Kane. Uh, and he tweeted this out June 14th. So before the draft, uh, he tweeted out the NBA title odds. Warriors were plus 280. Lakers, 5-1. to one, Bucks, 6-1. to one, Clippers, 6-1. to one, Raptors, 10-1. to one, Rockets, 10-1. to one, 76ers, 12-1. to one, Celtics and Knicks also 12-1. to one, And basically said, uh, no one knows what this league will look like in a month is the translation of this tweet. And it's, it's so true when we look at this, you know, post, um, you know, free agency and the draft it's it's absolutely crazy man let's let's start with the i guess the second one that's going to be on everybody's mind let's let's start with golden state and they really haven't moved a ton as we look at mybookie.ag i mean opening odds around 10 to 1 my god and we're still sitting right around that uh no clay obviously no durant um does this kind of you know these title aspirations hinge on the splash brothers becoming the one two and draymond three you know kind of show for for what golden state will be in the future and what does this mean for steve kerr if he can't get it get it done without durant well, it's funny you bring them up because I, I actually love Golden State at 10 to 1 right now. Um, obviously, with the, with the KD trade, they, they brought back D'Angelo Russell, and he's going to be another star in that lineup. I mean, with Clay Hurt, obviously, the season um, you know, could start the season a little slow. But when you really think about it in the playoffs, I mean, if they end up with a lineup of Steph, D'Angelo Russell, Clay, Draymond, and, and Kevon Looney, um, Pending Clay's health, obviously, that's up there with any, with any with any team in the league. So while I don't necessarily love how much they're treating the D'Angelo Russell signing 
it was a business decision. I mean, if you watch if you watch their press conference last night, they're already talking about how they're going to trade him at the, at the deadline. Um, but in terms of just what they're putting on the floor, I think 10 to one's a little bit disrespectful. I mean, look, this is a team that without KD was within a Clay Thompson torn ACL of sending that thing to seven, um, against a team that, you know, people are now anointing in the Raptors as, you know, all this hype about Kawhi. Well, you know, that team probably w- w- was about to get taken seven by a KD list warriors team. So I'm very high on Golden State ten to one. Um, that 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 was one of the plays I was going to give out today in the pod. Yeah, man, that that makes a ton of sense for me. I think that it this is kind of a nice tr- uh, segue and transition. So look at you go, but the secondary market with what could happen with you know I think that there's no doubt that Golden State is probably going to start the year worse than they end up with obviously uh, Clay Thompson out. So do you think that you take the one knowing or thinking that the odds shorten and they actually come out and impress, or would you look towards the secondary market uh, maybe in season when they're you know a couple games under 500, you know a month or two into the season and everyone as you know anointing the Golden. State state dynasty as dead for a you know second time and this was all Durant or this or that it, what you know what side of that do you kind of fall on and which makes more sense um really from the golden state side one but it'll uh, kind of transition us right into the toronto raptors moving from 10 to 1 all the way out to 60 to 1 yeah and that, that's a great point i actually totally agree i think warriors is one of the ones that you could wait on and you know while they're kind of easing into their season you know these are they, they played in five straight championships they don't give a fuck about the regular season so that mentality is not going to leave just cuz KD left so that's a fantastic point i definitely think you could you know watch that season play out maybe that number goes closer to 15 20 to 1 and then buy it back you know before clay comes back and then and, the, and then you have a nice little position heading into the playoffs hopefully they'll be there toronto yeah i mean peanut i told you before the pod I got duped by the Jalen Rose tweet. I, I took the Raptors at 13 to one. I, I, I felt really disappointed in myself. That was a kind of a rookie mistake on my part, but you know, this is still a team that can make the playoffs in the East. So, you know, at 60 to one, I, I know, you know, I, I actually learned this from you. It was the college basketball move of taking teams to win the title and then hedging once they get in the tournament. I mean, 60 to one for Toronto outside of Milwaukee and Philly, there's no real juggernaut in the East. I could definitely see Toronto, you know, being in that three, four, five, six range in the East. So while obviously losing to Kawhi hurts, uh, Pascal Siakam's a guy that's improved every single year. OG Ananobi is a guy that get back on the wing healthy. Didn't have him this playoffs. Um, exciting young prospect will fit right in perfectly at the, in the Kawhi spot at the three. And they have what it takes to run this back to a certain extent. Obviously they don't have that high level superstar who can raise their ceiling against, you know, the best of the best, but I definitely don't see Toronto missing the playoffs, assuming they hold on to Gasol and, and Lowry. Um, but, you know, there is something to be said for, like you said, this is an insane era of player movement. And if free agency was this crazy, that I can't wait for the deadline. And so a lot of these numbers are going to continue to fluctuate throughout the season. So, you know, Toronto's a team that, like I said, if they want to compete, definitely making the playoffs. But they also could have a fire sale at the deadline and you're holding a ticket on a rebuilding team. So. These are all kind of things to factor in and balance in your mind while you're looking at these teams. 
Let's go to one of uh, the most polarizing teams out there for sure with what they've done, bringing in Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. Now, this number to me is something that's really kind of bounced all over the place. Um, here in town in Vegas, uh, I'm seeing a 40 to 1 for the Nets. They were opened at, I believe, uh, 25 to 1, right around 20 to 1 right now at mybookie.ag. So depending on where you are, this number is really all over the place. I think the casual fan is going to look at that number and say, why is a, dirt, a team with Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving 40 to 1? What do you think about that? Well, I mean, the, the expectations that Katie is going to miss the whole season. So I, I understand um, that number. I mean, you look at Kyrie on his own with a roster outside of KD, that, that's nothing special. I mean, uh, at Hardwood, Hardwood Paroxysm had a great tweet today that was um, player, every single player on the Nets that had a positive on court net rating last year is no longer on their team. So, they're, they're actually not, I actually don't love what the, I love Karis Levert, but outside of what else they're bringing back, I mean, I just don't have faith in Kyrie to carry a team. I'm definitely going to be fading the Nets next year. And, you know, I, I'm, I, I think KD's injury, I mean, it just changes absolutely everything. I, I, I would not feel comfortable with Kyrie Irving being the face of my franchise after what he just did in Boston. So it's polarizing for a reason, and I, I, I'm on the fade side of that one. No, I agree with you, man. Uh, let's uh, turn over to the Clippers, man, going from eight to one prior to that um, and all the way down to basically the favorite in the NBA now at three to one. Uh, there hasn't been this much hype around a Clippers team in a very long time, sans the original Blake, uh, Blake Griffin. Uh, I think that there was a couple people opting out that were kind of, you know, flirted with them. Obviously, CP3 and, and Griffin together didn't work out, um, you know. Is Kawhi the answer? Is he the start of it? Is, you know, I mean, with everything else that they have brought in, all their pieces, is this, you know, even in the West with LeBron, who we'll get to directly after the Clippers, you know, who do you kind of favor there? I guess we can lump these two teams together when we talk about the uh, Lakers and the Clippers, basically the three and four to one favorites. And of course, um, you know, talking about the odds that were there prior, um, you know, which LA team do you think is going to come out king this year? And, and it's it's so funny that they're really, you know, both going to be out of the West, you know, prior to the finals and all that type of stuff. Yeah, it's it's gonna be it's gonna be awesome, and especially for West Coast fans to have that you know in this in the seven p.m. national television slot every night. I, I'm actually not as much of a fan. I mean, of of the Clippers as it seems everyone else you know kind of on Twitter and, and talking to friends is. Um, look, Kawhi's an awesome player, but if if you look at his numbers in these playoffs, he was fantastic. But I, I don't I don't see why people are coronating him as the best player in the world, other than the fact that. That just seems like it's what we do now when the best player on the best team in the title wins. I mean, LeBron is 13 months removed from a finals that was significantly more impressive number-wise than what, than what Kawhi just put up. So, you know, Kawhi's a fantastic player, unbelievable on both ends. But in terms of Lakers versus Clippers, I, I just don't see why. I don't think that LeBron and AD versus Kawhi and Paul George is close. I, I think I would take LeBron and AD as, as a duo any day of that's the week in, in that debate. And, yeah. That's before cousins now too. I mean, and if you look at the role players, I mean, yeah, the Clippers have some, you know, nice players and, and they have younger players and, and theoretically because they had all that hype of building a sustainable franchise before Kawhi and PG came, um, people seem to be favoring their supporting cast over to Lakers. I mean, look at the end of the day, I mean, the final five for the Lakers with Danny Green and and Boogie maybe and Jared Dudley. I mean, they're going to be just fine around LeBron. So to me, I mean, I, I really don't understand why the Clippers are a bigger favorite to win the title than, than the Lakers 
at this point. Um, I was about to see how it plays out. Paul George missing the first month of the season. Paul George had historically great contested shooting numbers last year and is very, very, very due for aggression coming into this year. Um, I think, you know, he was shooting a ridiculous like 48% on contested threes last year. I don't think he's the player that that people are making him out to be in coming to LA. So um, it may be an unpopular opinion, but, and I, I, I honestly hate LeBron's guts. I mean, LeBron is <laughs> one of my least favorite athletes of all, of, of all time. And I'm still willing to acknowledge that, you know, he hasn't lost a playoff series to anybody besides the Warriors in the last 10 years. Um, and, or, or, and Spurs, pardon me. And so, you know, I, I, I do think that there is, there is the element of, recency bias and, and what you saw last in elevating the Clippers over to Lakers without giving LeBron and AD a chance on the floor. I am completely with you. And I say that because of one thing, I think that last year there were two teams going into the season that we did not know. There was such a wide expectations or a range of expectations that could happen to me. That was uh, Cleveland and that was the Lakers and Cleveland, you know, we can t toss them aside for a little bit here and let's talk about the Lakers. This was either LeBron's going to be FU tour where he says, I don't need anything. I have nobody and this is my team or what actually happened was the other uh, outcome, you know, possibilities. That was he takes the year off. He basically knows they cannot win anything. He, you know, he's played. I mean, my God, what like two two extra seasons in the playoffs? Kind of rests himself up, yep. and, and you know, basically this is year one in LA for LeBron. Do you think that's inevitably what ended up happening for the Lakers? Yeah, I mean that is a, that's a great analysis. I mean, look, LeBron is going to be in full fuck you mode to the entire league. I mean, shit's personal now. Kawhi honestly fucked over to Lakers in free agency. Let's be real. I mean, he held out to the last minute. Lakers missed out on every other free agent because they were waiting for Kawhi and Kawhi, Kawhi didn't come. And now the Lakers roster is severely diminished by Kawhi's decision-making. Not that there's anything wrong with that. I mean, he has every right to wait to make a decision, but shit is going to be personal in LA now. And, and, and like you said, last year, LeBron, got an unprecedented amount of rest in his career. We, we've never seen LeBron coming into a season um, this healthy, this rested, and also with this much to prove. I mean, you look at a guy, and after he won his title in Cleveland, he was crowned king and, and had nothing else to prove going up against a super team that, you know, there was no shame in losing to the Warriors. So LeBron now has a completely empty league and a full-on chance to reassert his throne. And, and I think... He's going to be in that fuck you mode, like you said, he, he could have been in last year. No question about it this year. And, you know, for that reason, I mean, I, I think people are, are a little bit too willing to write off the Lakers as some old team when there's really nothing standing in their way in, in terms of another super team. Yeah, I think that that makes a lot of sense to kind of wrap up the West. The one thing I did want to ask you about is the Rockets, um, you know, going from eight to one to 10 to one, not too much of a jump there. I mean, we can kind of, I think the, the Rockets are probably that, you know, three, four team. Um, I mean, we can put Denver in there at 15 to one, not much movement as well as, um, you know, Jazz going from 30 to one to 12 to one. Is there anyone outside of those top two? Um, I guess we could put the Rockets in there and get your thoughts on them that could unseat either of those two teams in the West, or is this just kind of game over right now? And it's the, it's the battle for LA in the West. No, I, I actually definitely think that this is somewhat of but between those five teams you you listed Rockets, Warriors, Jazz, along with the LA teams. I, I would not be surprised. I mean, you could throw Portland there too. I would not be surprised if any of those teams came out of the West. Houston in particular, ten to one. I mean, 
they had some potential turmoil earlier in the season. That being said, they seem to be earlier in this offseason, pardon me, they seem to be kind of stabilizing their ship. I really think this Houston team is fucking very good. I mean, they're the only team that, that really came close to pushing the Warriors. Uh, if you ask Darren Moore, he'll say second best offense of all time was in Houston. Um, so, you know, Houston 10 to 1. I don't think they're taking a step back. That, so, does you know, Chris Paul if, stay there? If you, does Chris I believe so. I mean, if it, you take that NBA now teams, and he does leave, I mean, isn't that ticket kind of null and void and it's kind of game over? At least from no, a price perspective? I, I, I definitely don't think so. I, I mean, perhaps because of the way the market's going to perceive it. So from that perspective, yes. Yeah. But in terms of the way I, I would think of their team, I mean, if you look at that Warriors playoff series, Austin Rivers was just as much of a contributor as CP3 as t- at times. Yep. Um, so, I mean, that CP3 trade, that, that CP3 contract is very hard to trade. But like you say, I, I do think their perception would take a hit in terms of if you wanted to wait till that happens. And they are a team that tends to start slow. Obviously, last season, they started really slow. And then after the deadline, uh, came back and were the best team in the league. So that's another team, like kind of like Golden State, where they might sort of wade into the season and, and that price might balloon a little bit. And you can, if you can try to pinpoint the right time to strike, it could be worthwhile. One more I'll throw out there is just the Spurs at 66 to 1. Um, kind of like Toronto. I mean, the Spurs are going to make the playoffs and they also have. A, a sneaky collection of assets to go out and make a play for a Brad Beal or a Drew Holiday or, or the next guy to come on the market. Uh, they have Lonnie Walker, DeJounte. They have, they have a plethora of young guards that, that, that could get moved. So Spurs 66 to one is a team that I like right now because that's such a, a ridiculous price for such a good franchise that you, that I feel will make the playoffs in a wide open West that, and with the potential to, really upgrade, you know, out of nowhere. So obviously that, that Marcus Morris free agency reneging today kind of hurt them, but I just want to throw out there. I think they've been kind of forgotten and that price is a little bit ridiculous. I just looked at that price and didn't even realize it. And it speaks to exactly that. them being a little bit forgotten, you know, in the NBA or in the uh, MLB, there's, you know, this Spurs version has always been the St. Louis Cardinals and they're just there. And that price is, you know, going to look silly and it's going to be, you know, kind of funny as it goes along to, to kind yeah. of see that for sure. Um, last one I want to talk about just because it's going to be a nice transition from, as we go from West to East, but also basically uh, one team that all of a sudden uh, went into full rebuild mode. And I only say that I only bring that up because they have one asset that is you know, top three to five in the NBA. We talk about the OKC Thunder moving from 15 to one all the way out to 75 to one. Uh, what is your opinion on the kind of spur of the moment, dare I say rebuild and where does Russell Westbrook end up uh, either West or East? Yeah. I mean, it was definitely crazy to see, to see Paul George get traded. The, the OKC was a franchise that had seemed like they were willing to sort of be in that frustrating middle of the pack of the playoffs uh, sort of setup. I like what they did. I mean, I, I was all over Twitter about this. They fucking, got an unbelievable return for Paul George. I mean, you're talking about a guy who a year and a half ago was traded for Oladipo and Sabonis now goes for what are the five first rounders and a great young player. So I think they had no choice, but to make that move, uh, I, I expect Russ to get traded. Um, so with that being said, like, I, I, I don't think there's value in OKC 75 to one. I mean, at this point, they really don't have a choice to go, but to go full rebuild unless, you know, Russ wants to hang around. 
they still probably wouldn't make the playoffs in a loaded West. So my opinion of it is that, you know, great job by Sam Presti to sort of seize the moment and get that much return for Paul George. Now let's see what he can do with Westbrook. If he can manage to, you know, squeeze an asset or two out of Miami, that could be interesting. Um, people have mentioned Detroit, Minnesota. Uh, so, you know, these are sort of middle of the, of the pack teams trying to figure out a way to, to make a move. And, and Russ Westbrook is pretty much the only guy on the block right now. Um, if, 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 if what Woj reported that Beal and holiday aren't on the block at the moment. So, you know, Westbrook, I, I expect he will get moved at some point between now and the start of the season. That's what I wanted to ask you. Is Westbrook the last domino, you know, the last meaningful domino to, to kind of fall in this uh, NBA free agency offseason? Yeah. I mean, you, you never want to say in the NBA, but I would say Westbrook and Kevin Love are the two dominoes that, that I see moving before the, before the deadline. I mean, before the start of the season, pardon me. And, and, you know, it's really to each his own, whether you think those players could impact winning at a, at a high enough level. But I mean, like, I, I don't see the Clippers, Lakers, Warriors, Rockets, Bucks trading for Russell Westbrook. So from that perspective, no, but I think the next two dominoes to fall are going to be K love and Westbrook. And then sometime after that, Brad Beal and drew out. All right, man. Well, that'll kind of wrap up the West. I want to ask you a couple of things. Cause to me, when I look at this, I am going to take NBA championship odds out of it. And I know people get so enamored with just that, but if we look at just to win the West here, before we move over to the East, I mean, isn't the play to take Clippers to win the West at plus plus one eighty and the Lakers at plus two eighty, uh, and just go into that series, you know, kind of having free money. You can even take a stab on warriors or rockets at plus plus seven fifty a piece seems very, very long to me. Yeah, I completely agree. I, I was going to bring up all those. I, I do like that kind of LA partnership. Uh, the only thing I worry about with that is that in terms of those teams prioritizing load management for their stars, you, they might not end up as the one and two seed in the West, even if they are the theoretical best teams in the West. Um, so you could get fucked with them playing each other in the playoffs earlier than you'd like. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, but yeah, I, I, I think the, the LA partnership you're getting plus money on both. And those are, you know, the unquestioned two teams with the highest ceiling in the conference. I'll throw out. I mean, I think Portland at 16 to one is just, I would consider them in the same tier with, obviously there's a stratification within that tier, but Lakers, Clippers, Rockets, Warriors, Nuggets, Jazz, and then Blazers, the Blazers are kind of priced like an outlier. Whereas I would slot them right in with Nuggets, Jazz, Rockets, um, going into next season. I mean, they knocked out Denver in seven on the road last year and they could still be a team that could make a move for a Kevin love. So I, I, I think Portland 16 to one and, and they, 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 they've been on the move in the, in the championship market as well. I know they were up towards 35 to one now down closer to 25 to one. Yeah, man, makes makes an absolute ton of sense. Let's, let's move over to the East and to say that the rich got richer and the poor got poorer is something of an understatement in my mind when we look at what is left uh, in the Eastern Conference. Uh, let's start with basically the favorite. We have Milwaukee moving from six to one out to or, or into four to one basically by doing nothing and um, just letting you know some people leave the East, in my opinion. Um, is Milwaukee, I guess we'll, we'll do a couple of these. Milwaukee, uh, four to one from again, the six to one. We have the Sixers taking some money down from 12 to one. Uh, 
talked to eight to one. We have the Knicks who absolutely imploded. We're not even going to talk about them. <laughs> Toronto did the same thing. I mean, Boston comes to mind here. We're looking 12 to one to a 20 to one drop after, you know, losing a lot of their roster yet with what they brought in, man, kind of a polarizing team. So let's start with this. Let's do Bucks and um, the Celtics and kind of what happened there together. And we'll lump in Sixers at eight to one with those three teams. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm actually going to be looking to fade the Bucks this year, uh, especially in win total. I mean, they set a ridiculous pace for themselves last year. And I think while they, they were a fantastic team last year, um, losing that playoff to series to Toronto kind of hurt, in my opinion. I mean, they lost four straight, and Giannis got exposed a little bit in that he doesn't have an outside jumper, and, and the book on Giannis in the playoffs gets a little bit rougher. Combine that with the fact that the Sixers picked up Al Horford for a potential Bucks Sixers series in the playoffs is so big because Horford, you know, has been known in the past as a, as a Giannis stopper. And that move made perfect sense to me, you know, in some ways in other ways, I didn't, I didn't love the move, but in terms of a Sixers Bucks potential Eastern conference finals, I would take the Sixers based on roster construction. Um, Combine that with the fact that the Bucks lost Brogdon, and in the playoffs, Brogdon was, I think, their second-best player outside of Giannis. I mean, Middleton can go, but he also was playing in a contract a year last year and just got a max deal, so I don't like to see that in terms of a guy putting up his best numbers the year before. Eric Bledsoe completely exposed in the playoffs. Um, Brooke Lopez, a year older, and you know, you also are a year closer to the looming Giannis free agency that is going to sort of take over the whole narrative in Milwaukee from what was a happy go lucky team last year to now doing everything in their power to scramble, to keep Giannis happy. They just signed his brother kind of out of nowhere, a dude that was out of the NBA. Like I don't love to see them, them prioritizing a roster spot on Giannis's brother so soon. Um, let's go to Philly next. I, I don't love Embiid and Simmons. I mean, I was all over it last year. No one else fucking gets sick like this dude. Like I, I just don't <laughs> yeah. think they're I don't think they're really ready to win. But at the same time, I love their matchup against Milwaukee. Um, so you know, it maybe Horford can come in, help stabilize the culture. And with Jimmy Butler gone, you gotta put the ball back in Ben Simmons' hands a little bit. So while eight fifty or eight eight pardon me, eight to one is you know, I don't think that reflects the Sixers' true odds of winning the championship. Um, I definitely think they could win the East, and and that's plus two fifty. So it's still, you know, not that appetizing. Boston. Um, I don't think I've seen a fan, or not of, even I want to say a fan base because I've seen it from everywhere. But NBA Twitter, I don't think they've ever loved a team's draft class more than they love Boston's. And again, not that I'm so deep into the NBA world to think one way or another. But I mean, you look at bringing in Kemba um, with this draft class. I mean, is this a team that is you know being overlooked with one of the best coaches you know in the league at you know dropping from basically twelve to one to twenty to one with that draft class, losing Horford, losing Kyrie, yet bringing in Kemba plus those guys. Yeah, I mean, I do think they're being overlooked a little bit based on the fact that, you know, I completely agree. Brad Stevens is going to be back to be being Brad Stevens this year, I would expect. I mean, Kyrie kind of ruined that team a little bit and mitigated the impact that Brad Stevens had on winning before he got there. Um, their draft class, I also love their draft class. In the NBA, it's a little bit, I would say, 
a little too eager to think that uh that that a bunch of rookies are going to come in because in the playoffs those rotations tighten up. Grant Williams is a dude on Boston who I think could factor into the playoff run. So that's a great point. Um, for Boston to to really be worthy of this pricing, Jason Tatum has to, you know, kind of erase the regression of last year and then get better as if we were going back to his rookie year. I'm not a huge Tatum guy, but you know, others seem to think that he's an absolute star. So for them to really challenge in the East, they need him to be get back to that being that guy. Um, I personally don't feel that way, but there are definitely really smart people who I trust who, like you said, you know, have been all over gushing over Boston's offseason because bringing in Kemba with a group of, you know, strong young talent with Brad Stevens behind it, you know, could be one of those magical groups like they had two years ago. For sure, man. Anything else that is out of the East? I mean, the thing that sticks out to me when we look at these odds is just how far apart everyone from the West is, um, you know, post-free agency and draft, then the East. Do you see this being kind of one of those years where, you know, there's a sub-500 team as a you know, six, seven, eight seed in the East is, you know, for sure, just getting, you know, obliterated, you know, by the upper echelon. It, this There is not a lot of parity uh, when it comes to the Eastern Conference, yet the West just looks absolutely loaded this year. Yeah, the I, the West is a fucking gauntlet, and the East. I, I mean, I there there aren't many good teams in the East, like you said. I think there there's two teams that I that I think are going to be really interesting to follow. That's Indiana and Miami. Um, I would sort of slot those guys right in behind that Boston, Philly, Milwaukee group, but with the potential to make one more move to to launch into it. I mean, we could be talking about a Miami Heat team with Russell Westbrook and Kevin Love next to Jimmy Butler. Um, and that would certainly give them the star power to sort of lever their way up the conference. Indiana, I would say the team that I'm going to be following quite closely. Um, I love the acquisition of Malcolm Brogdon and pairing him with Oladipo in a backcourt gives them the horses to have, to have the best backcourt in the East. I mean, if you look at the way that both Milwaukee and Philly are organized, it's very, very top heavy with, you know, Embiid and Giannis being the best players. Um, not necessarily, it's a very curious fit with the way that the modern NBA is going. So if Indiana can sort of lever that backcourt towards a ton of spacing, a ton of three point shooting, um, really pressuring Giannis, really forcing Embiid and, and the, and Horford to defend on the perimeter, the Pacers are at 40 to one to win the title. I mean, with Oladipo hurt to, to start the year, like you said, this is not one that I play now, but. I think the Pacers are a team to sort of file away and be ready to fire on it if they start to show signs of life once Old Depot gets back healthy. I love it, man. That's going to kind of wrap up the post-draft and NBA free agency talk. Is there anybody that you think put themselves in kind of, you know me, man, I am all about the narrative. And I believe that because the NBA is the one league that really, I don't know, the NFL does this too, but they really put the emphasis on who is the most valuable to their team. It is not who is the best, like in baseball, uh, where it's, you know, Mike Trout could win every year. LeBron could have won every year for eight years. And he really probably should have in my estimation, but they give it to the biggest breakout that has kind of really helped their team. Anyone that is either post, you think is next up for this or has benefited from a move more than anybody else for kind of the way too early MVP uh, discussion before I get you out of here. Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up. I mean, like you said, I think it's all about narrative and there are now a few stars who are by themselves with a team that actually has the chance to be the best team in the league with the Warriors gone. I mean, like I said, with the Warriors gone, everything changes. Now you have like a team like the Nuggets could be the one seed in the West with Jokic at 20 to one. 
I mean, that's appealing to me. It or Damian Lillard. The Blazers could push towards the top of the league record-wise. Dame Lillard, twenty-eight to one. Donovan Mitchell, eighty to one. Um, Jimmy Butler, eighty to one. So those are four guys that I kind of have circled as the one hundred percent, no doubt about it, best player on a team that could, you know, theoretically make a push. And when you look at the guys at the top of this list, I mean, Giannis won the MVP last year. We've already seen that. It's very, very tough to repeat. Harden, um, same. Steph Curry, I I see his load being very, very managed in Golden State. Um, So, yeah, I'm looking more in that 20 plus to one range of best player on a good team has a chance to make some noise. So how about Ben Simmons for me at, at the uh, 50 to one range, I think is the narrative popping on the narrative that is popping out at me. Yeah. I, I like that too, because that's a guy who also, you know, combine the positive narrative with the fact that he's been maligned in the past. I mean, if he averages like 20, 10 and 10 and the Sixers are the one seed in the East, I totally could see that. Yeah. That was the one that really stuck out to me, man. Anything else that we didn't talk about that you wanted to bring up, whether it be the secondary market, um, any tickets that make sense to kind of buy back on, wait on anything, anything that we didn't touch on that you wanted when it comes to NBA free agency, where we stand now? Yeah, I mean, I'll, the beginning. I'll, I'll definitely say two things that, that, that I think are really important are prop swap. I mean, I, I've never used it yet, but I, I, would, I, I was looking on that today and that's going to be a key part of my NBA approach for this season. I mean, like you said, PropSwap allows you to actually play the market like a market and have an opinion on a team. And if you beat the market to that opinion, you can make money on, on that opinion. So I definitely think like if I'm taking Spurs 66 to one, I don't expect them to win the title, but you know what? Maybe they close 40 to one and I can make some money on that, uh, on me being cl- first to the market with that opinion. So definitely check out PropSwap and use that in your futures approach. And the other thing I just think is and it might not apply till next year's free agency, but with all these new Twitter accounts popping up with sources and information that you may or may not be credible, I think you really have to be careful. Um, that guy, Arya, um, had LeBron to the Lakers, and I'm sure there are thousands of people out there sitting with Lakers, you know, even money championship tickets being like, how did I get duped into doing this? And, you know, you got to just be, you know, I've learned this from the inside Vegas pod all the time. Information is valuable, but you got to have, make sure you have the right information. So, you know, when you're on Twitter and stuff, don't be impulsive, take your time. And, um, yeah, it should be an unbelievable season. Obviously I got, we got a lot of time. So now, uh, can kind of relax, let these numbers get beat up a little bit and, um, looking forward to the rest of the summer. Definitely, man. NBA more than anything out there is such an information-based league in, in the draft and what you're talking about. I mean, the Woj tweet about Danielle Hunter had some books canceled because it was quote-unquote public knowledge. It's funny you said that, man. I mean, I got duped with the Oscars situation. The other one was, I'll never forget this. I had, there was, um, there's like a fake Adam Scheffler account that's like Schefter, Scheffler with an I or something like that that's capitalized. And he tweeted out Gronkowski got traded to the Rams and I ran out and basically limit bet the Rams to win the NFC. And it was the, like, it was such vindication that they, that uh, when that Saints play happened to, to catch that, knowing I only had that ticket just because of that. But you know, yeah. inf- information is, is, you know, you have to fact check that stuff when it comes to the the novelty props, the, you know, I would you know, call the NBA novelty prop, but it's, it's up there when it comes to storyline, man. Yep, for sure. All right, man. Again, follow him on Twitter at NBA Zach B sports gambling podcast.com. Find all of his NBA articles that are out there, man. Um, do an amazing job, bro. So, so knowledgeable in the space. Can't thank you enough for taking the time, bro. Thanks, Pete. appreciate it. 
Thank you, as always, to Zach Brunner taking the time to talk NBA, free agency, odds, in-season wagering, secondary market, and so much more. And as always, guys, we are brought to you by MyBookie. MyBookie.ag is the official online sports hook of the Inside Vegas podcast, as well as they are hosting the first ever online NFL Super Contest. Five picks ATS against the spread NFL season, $100,000 up for grabs. Every dollar they receive is an entry fee, and they are not taking a VIG everything coming back out into the prize pot. Entry fee is only $100. Go to mybookie.ag slash super contest to secure your spot. And when you do, make sure you use that promo code SGP50 to get your 50% deposit bonus. And you know you're already shopping at Amazon. Head to sportsgamingpodcast.com slash Amazon. Go get your Inside Vegas T. We have college experience up there. The regular shield. You can go to sportsgamingpodcast.com and click on the banner at the top as well. Help support the podcast and get yourself some nice Inside Vegas swag. Mm-hmm.